0: everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and quick heads up right off the top, there's no betting or beer talk in this episode, we'll get back into those topics in a major way with a very special guest for an NFL Draft episode dropping early next week. And as far as this week's episode goes, my wife Allison, also known as Mrs. Props and Hops, rejoins the show. Now, the plan was to discuss our triumphant return to Angel Stadium and what kind of experience you can expect if you're going to a Major League Baseball game anytime soon. But we had tickets to this past Saturday night's game against the Twins, and that got postponed shortly before first pitch due to COVID issues for Minnesota, so instead, we'll talk about our experience, plus some of the thoughts and questions that were raised. Also, in honor of baseball season getting into full swing, with the exception of the Twins, and with the Academy Awards coming up on Sunday, we talked some Angels baseball that we were able to watch recently in the form of Angels and the Outfield. Allison watched it with me and it was her first time seeing the movie, so we put her film and television degree to the test, deconstructing a childhood favorite of mine. And lastly, we commemorate last week's three-year anniversary of the untimely passing of David Malinsky. As big of a loss as it still is, we reflect on some of Dave's timeless wisdom, and his words continue to prove to be the gift that keeps on giving. A couple housekeeping notes before we get to the interview with Allison. You might have noticed some new artwork for props and hops in your podcast player. Big thanks to Jaden with the team at Dimers.com for making that happen. And one of the new additions to the show's artwork is a logo for Blue Wire Hustle. I'm calling this out because it's a talent incubation program for sports podcasters, and I'm excited to announce that I'm part of it, working with the team at Blue Wire and exchanging tips with fellow hustlers to make Props and Hops the best show it can be. So if you have a podcast and you're interested in learning more about Blue Wire Hustle or possibly joining the program, feel free to hit me up. My Twitter and Instagram handles are linked to in the show notes. And one more housekeeping note, if you're looking for any betting edges for your portfolio this week, make sure to check out Dimers.com, where there's a quick pick section that offers analytics-driven picks for every game based on thousands of simulations. Alright, and now, enjoy our feature presentation with the unofficial executive producer of Props and Hops, my brilliant wife, Allison. allison welcome back to the show thank you for being my date to last night's angels game that wasn't meant to be what was your reaction to the news when the game got postponed
1: well i was really surprised we were waiting in line to get dinner beforehand and then you were i think checking twitter to see what the lineup was going to be and then you said the game was postponed and just started walking away (laughs) so i was i just remember like chasing after him, like how is the game postponed? Because we're also in Southern California. There's really never a bad weather day, and um, you know we were staying outside. It was fine. So when you said it was COVID, like I kind of laughed because I was like, "Wait, there's still COVID outbreaks happening here." Like I didn't think of like, you know, the the traveling team coming over. But um, and also they had just played the night before I Minnesota. Mean, so I thought if there was positive COVID test, they would have probably known. Friday at some point so it just seemed really strange that an hour before the game starts you find out on Twitter that it's postponed not even a text or an email alerting ticket holders like this game is not happening and then I just felt really bad because we were among a ton of fans that were waiting in line to go eat at this one restaurant and then we had seen just like like herds of people walking across the street to go into the stadium so there were already people sitting in the stands and it was just kind of interesting like I think I remember saying to like do they know the game's not happening because they're literally sitting in the stadium so it was very surprising I think it took me a good like 10 minutes to really wrap my head around it
0: yeah it was surreal and I just had so many questions right away I definitely was as upset as I've been in a little while and To your point, we're fortunate that in Southern California, COVID numbers have seemed pretty good for a while. Obviously, there are parts of the country where that's not the case, so we don't want to overlook that, but that wasn't really top of mind. And you also touched on them having played the night before, and I believe it was Tuesday that they had Andrelton Simmons, their shortstop, test positive. He declined the vaccine, and I believe he was their first positive test. And then there was another positive on Friday, so it wasn't totally out of the blue, but it also didn't seem like a rampant outbreak across the team that would prevent them from playing. So,
1: Did we know about the positive outbreak on Friday, like on Friday, or did you find that out later?
0: We knew that there had been positives earlier in the week with their shortstop, and then on Friday that there was a positive. I also think there were a couple players, and then I believe one staffer, But yeah, it seemed like there were a few, so it wasn't a non-issue, but it also didn't seem like a full-fledged outbreak. So I was wondering, when this happened, how in the world are most of the twins not vaccinated? And really, the game got postponed, they said, so that they could have more time for contact tracing. And again, this isn't March or April of 2020. We've had more than a year of this. I'm surprised that MLB didn't have better contact tracing in place. And I also thought, you know, from the standpoint of an Angels fan, I know they're pretty much fully vaccinated as a team. They've passed that 85% threshold to relax restrictions off the field. But the Astros have a bit of an outbreak going on right now, and they're still playing, so I don't understand why the Twins couldn't also have to get, you know, a shorthanded lineup out there and play this game. It just, it seems surreal and confusing and kind of wrong on so many levels.
1: Well, also hasn't the MLB as an organization secured enough shots for like vaccines for every team? So I know that they can't obviously force people to take it, but while we're lucky enough to be in a state that has a really good vaccine rollout, even for these teams, whether it's Minnesota or you mentioned the Astros, even if they are based in states that haven't had the best vaccine rollout or again a bunch of people that refuse to take it, The MLB as an organization has, at least from my understanding, supplied the teams with it so that they don't have these issues where, you know, like for the Angels, they lost two home games because the game today, which is Sunday, also got postponed. So that just also seems unfair. But that's why I thought Major League Baseball had tried to make precautions against this happening by offering teams all the vaccines they needed. Um, So that just seems kind of uh, unfortunate because – if it was reversed and, you know, the game was in Minnesota and they had to postpone it, then, it, I mean, it's a bummer for the Angels to have have to travel that far, but at least, you know, they wouldn't lose their home games. It just it seems like unfairly lopsided um, against the yeah. Angels.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, just this past week, there have been postponements in Minnesota for other reasons, so it was probably better that they were here. You would have thought yeah. to at least get this game in. And from what I gather, MLB's rollout hasn't been just a blanket. Hey, every team by opening day gets everybody supplied and they have the option to take it. I do think there's been a bit of give and take depending on what else is available in the Mm -hmm. communities where these teams play. But the Twins, I think, had about a week and a half ago their option to take. uh, What I read was one and done in the words of the Athletics. So that would have been the The J and J. Yeah, so I get where they would have wanted you know, a one-and-done so that they don't have to do this on multiple occasions, and I'm just curious at this point, I'm open to being proven wrong on this, but I'm thinking, did the twins wait so that they could get Johnson & Johnson? Like, were Pfizer or Moderna available to them sooner, but they only wanted one shot, and then they're this deep into the season, and they're not vaccinated, and now we've got this crap happening as we're getting into late April? So, it was, it was just such a cluster, and beyond what was actually happening, the way that Major League Baseball handled it, canceling the game, or I should say postponing the game, less than an hour and a half before first pitch. That seemed pretty surreal. I'm, I'm pretty sure they had all the info they needed to make this call well before that time. Again, you said there were fans in the stands because the gates opened 90 minutes before first pitch. People had paid for parking. They were probably buying beer, buying food, buying merch in the team's store, and it seemed like there wasn't any communication at all. We're lucky to have seen it on Twitter, but... As you touched on there's mobile ticketing this season so through the ballpark app that mlb is having people use to scan their tickets to get into the stadium they could have sent a push notification or at least an email immediately since you have to use an email address to get tickets right now and i did get an email from the angels ironically it came almost two hours after the postponement was announced and i found out about it on twitter And more than half an hour after the scheduled first pitch. So that's not really doing fans any good. Aside from the issue that we're facing itself, the way it was communicated was just a debacle.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm just happy you checked Twitter when you did so we didn't get any further invested in the game that just never happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you touched on the Angels, you know, through this game never happening, kind of getting stung. Just maybe a revenue standpoint of a Saturday and a Sunday home game. In yeah. the beginning of the season, when they're off to a hot start, the Twins are supposed to be good. This was going to be a pretty fun series. The Friday game was fun, but that's all they got. I guess we'll give the Angels a one game sweep for this series for now. But again, the Angels are going to have to now look at two of their off days possibly getting eaten into or maybe playing a couple of double headers since Sunday's game was postponed as well. And I really feel for their scheduled starting pitcher, Jose Quintana, because. He had to go through the full day of mental and physical prep to make that start, and now it's not like he's going to start the team's next game. Because of that work he put in, even though it was nothing that counted in a box score, he's pushed back a few days to the series finale when the Angels host Texas early this coming week. So there are so many trickle-down effects from this. I think we've maybe scraped the tip of the iceberg, but yeah, what a messy situation and, and how surreal that we're dealing with it still in April 2021.
1: Yeah, it's disappointing because we were supposed to go to a game at Angel Stadium last April against um, the Astros. And that also didn't happen because of the COVID um, outbreaks. So I just feel like we're kind of cursed when it comes to going to Angels home games in April. I don't think we should ever attempt it again.
0: I don't know. I I won't go that far, though. I understand the thought there. Um, In
1: April. We can try in May.
0: Well, well, opening days in April, and I'd like to get back out there at some point. But yeah, I hear what you're saying, because last year it wasn't just a series against the Astros. It was opening day against the Astros. The first game for Houston after everything came out that offseason where we knew all about their cheating scandal— and I was pumped to go as an Angels fan and let them hear it. You're a Yankee fan, and the Yankees had to, you know, take the brunt of what Houston did during one of their postseason runs. And we were
1: going to go with two Dodger fans, mm-hmm. so it was going to be really fun. But, but yeah, it just made me think of that. I was like, wow, we are like 0 for 2 with these uh, April Angels games.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of felt like yesterday was just another day in 2020, unsuspectingly showing up late in yeah. the spring of 2021. But. I do want to acknowledge that as much as it sucked and it's easy to complain about everything, it it was messy, and I'm still pissed off about it, to be frank. But we found free parking, and luckily there was a long line for Carl Strauss right across the ballpark where we were waiting to get in because had we been seated and just put in our order for food, that would have been really awkward. We just bailed on the line. Uh, again, finding out within a minute via Twitter that the game was postponed instead of going into the stadium or getting that email half an hour after first pitch— just searching for lineups and getting that info as soon as it broke was a really good break. And then deciding to come back home and not having any traffic. How often does yep. that happen? Getting from Anaheim to downtown LA for dinner in half an hour.
1: We had no traffic going back home, uh, which is up in LA, but there was a lot of traffic going down towards Anaheim. And I know not all of that was for the game, but it was just over an hour before the game was supposed to start. So I wonder how many of those people were stuck in that horrible traffic heading towards anaheim only to hear that the games postponed that is so frustrating we even that was one thing we did right away when you told me about twitter and you verified it from a second source because then i called our friends who were supposed to drive down and meet us there It'd be like don't even get in the car <laughs> and i'm so glad because that would have sucked to be stuck in that traffic for nothing
0: yeah yeah um just a Kind of disastrous way to to have things break after it looked so promising. It was a pretty fun day leading up to it, going to a couple breweries and just having that you know game day excitement building, and then it, it really got snatched away from us in a hurry.
1: Hopefully, we have better luck. We're supposed to go to a Dodger game this coming Friday,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: hopefully that one doesn't get postponed.
0: <laughs> yeah, hopefully it doesn't get postponed. It seems like uh, the series that they've been playing in San Diego this weekend has been really competitive. And a lot of good energy, and we could use that after what happened last night. So the game just, again, it wasn't meant to be very disappointing, but we're excited to get to a Major League game at Dodger Stadium this coming Friday. And something else that's coming up this week to transition to another topic that will still be baseball-related, the Oscars are on Sunday. And you have a film and television degree from Boston University. You're the resident film critic here. And we recently watched Angels in the Outfield. It was a childhood favorite of mine, as anybody could probably guess. But it was your first time seeing it. So while we didn't get to see an Angels game, we did get to see Angels in the Outfield recently. And what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I was watching it while I had a fever from my second COVID shot. So it was, I was just kind of, maybe I was a little out of it, but it felt needlessly depressing. Um, But that's like (laughs) most of those Disney movies from that era. Uh, it was kind of sad. I'm like, okay, we're already starting with like, a bunch of foster kids, which is just sad. And it's the pigeon lady from um, Home Alone 2. Yeah, too. Good call. And I'm like, okay. But then it's like Dermot Mulroney plays like the deadbeat dad that gives up his rights to the kid while he's there in the courthouse, which was sad. And then that same kid is told that one of the players on his beloved team is about to die. And it just felt like I don't know how that movie's super uplifting, to be honest. I was like, I don't know if it was the fever just making it more dramatic, but I was like, this movie is, it's like three really sad hits. And like, we could have done with maybe just one or two of them. Like, we get it. It should be a lighter baseball movie. So it was fine to watch, but I was actually surprised by what a bummer it was. Even in the end, when it was supposed to be happy, I still felt so sad.
0: It's so funny because I think of watching other Disney movies from you know, the era when Angels in the Outfield was released. Something like Lion King. As a kid, you just remember Simba singing I Just Can't Wait to Be King or all the fun moments and watching it as an adult. You're like, oh, this gets pretty dark. And there's a lot of twists and turns. And uh, that definitely did not come to the top of my mind from those childhood viewing experiences. But... I thought it was cool that you identified right away the foster mom was the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2. Again, Dermot Mulroney, you mentioned, uh, more recently appeared as Russell in New Girl. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought with this movie, one of the underrated aspects of it was the cast. So, and those two characters were not even part of that thought that I'd had. Obviously, Danny Glover, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd were the top billing actors for the movie. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, that was one of his breakout roles. And then buried on the IMDb page, two future Academy Award Best Actor winners, Adrian Brody and Matthew McConaughey. And then even the guy who played the angel's owner in the movie, who's based on Gene Autry, his name is Ben Johnson, and he won Best Supporting Actor in 1972 for the Lax Picture Show. So... Pretty star-studded cast, but yeah, not not as smooth of a ride as I remembered as a kid, because I just knew the Angels won, and, I mean, spoiler alert, it's an old movie, but the kids get adopted in the end by the coach, and you think everybody goes home happy. That's nice. And it was a nice ending, but it really wasn't a happy ride all the way through. Yeah,
1: they're going to make you suffer. Um, which, again, like, I get it, you need the lows to get the highs, but it felt like those were a lot of lows, especially against little kids. It was depressing. Um, but I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe selective memory from growing up, and Disney made a movie about my favorite team, so I wasn't going to let myself not love it, I guess.
1: Yeah, beggars can be choosers. There's not many movies about <laughs> the Angels. Yeah, yeah,
0: we didn't have a Pride of the Yankees.
1: Well, that's also depressing. Yeah.
0: I guess there's a theme here with baseball movies. I <laughs>
1: was just going to say, I'm like, oh wow, they're, they're really... Well, a lot of sports movies are super yeah. dark. like. Isn't Remember the Titans, doesn't someone get killed in a car accident or I paralyzed? ask you like
0: multiple times a year if you want to watch Remember the Titans and you shut no. it down immediately.
1: <laughs> the soundtrack's great though. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't remember what happens to the guy, but he's either paralyzed or killed in a car accident. I was like, I'm out.
0: Yeah, no, he, he survives, but it's the end of his football <laughs> career and that's a bit of a bummer. But um, yeah, I guess that's just something that, again, as a kid growing up watching these movies didn't stand out. And now it really resonates a whole lot more. Well, there's one more thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, Also, could be a bit of a downer, but I think there's a lot of positives that we can take away from this topic, and that would be touching on David Malinsky. This is our first time recording an episode since the three-year anniversary of his passing on April 14th, 2018, surrounded by his old friends in high places on Mount Charleston. And... The way I've thought of it this year was that we've kind of made it a tradition of ours to celebrate his birthday on December 30th every year and going on like a Dave hike every spring around April 14th to celebrate his life. But he saw beyond a world measured by clocks or calendars. And I I was able to find a quote that really brought this to life from an email that he had sent on New Year's Eve in 2017 to frame the perspective on New Year's Day. And, And really, I think it could apply to every day. And this quote from Dave reads... There are no limitations, as long as we embrace the beauty that surrounds us and continue to learn, to laugh, and to love. When we do that, we grow towards a special place in which we live timelessly, the views eternal, and the realization that the only boundaries which exist are those that we impose upon ourselves. So with that in mind, I'll let that sink in a minute, but I wanted to ask you as a way to kind of honor Dave's legacy, and I think just a good thought exercise to do once in a while would be um, that point of the only boundaries which exist are those that we impose upon ourselves. Is there a boundary that you think you've maybe been imposing on yourself consciously or not that you'd like to move past in your life?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, I think it's also just like in generally speaking, kind of like his quote too, that thing of like, there's no rush to kind of get where you want to go or do what you want to do. Like, things will unfold in their own time. So I, I think I've been pretty good about this. Like, I'm not one of those people, like, that checks the box. Like, I need to be married by this point, on a house by this point, be at this place in my career at this point. But I think it's, like, a good point, too, that he brings up of, like, those are just things that we put... That's pressure we put ourselves needlessly. Whereas I think the more fun things in life have just sort of, like, happened organically. And things just sort of come up and you hopefully are ready to seize that opportunity. So I think... We've actually been pretty good about that. Um, I think one thing I I like, so it's a little bit opposite. what you asked is like for both of us. I think when we want to do something, whether it's taking up a new hobby or like 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 running, like I didn't get into running until my thirties, which is really late for like most people. Like we just do it, and you just realize like oh well, just figure it out. If you want something bad enough, you can just figure out how to do it, and just give yourself time and. That's really hard because I'm super impatient. So that's where I'm like, I can't pinpoint one thing because I'm impatient with everything. <laughs> but I also like to try to give myself a break and be like, okay, just let it unfold as it will. And, you know, keep working towards things. But don't put that time pressure on everything.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a good one because if if you say that you're impatient, that can almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm but if you take the perspective of trying not to put time pressure on everything you might want certain things to happen sooner or other things not to happen at all or to get put off but when you don't have control over certain things and and letting it play out as it will um, i've seen a lot of growth from you even really just in the past few months on that front since the end of last year and yeah i i think that as a way to answer that from my perspective I know that I tend to be a really serious person and I can take a lot of pride in being analytical and trying to find ways again as a better trying to outsmart the market and find edges and it's great there are ways in which it's really rewarding to be ambitious and driven and hard-working and have that kind of serious approach but I also don't want that to take away from the things you mentioned some of the best things that just happen organically if everything is always planned out if every bet I always make has to have x% percent edge and then it's just robotic and every beer I drink has to tick off these boxes. And every place we go, we're going to this or that restaurant because somebody said something and it's got these reviews on Yelp. It's like, okay, you want to live a good life. And, you know, whatever success means to you, you want to pursue it. But at the same time, if you're pursuing that um, just with almost like a tireless approach, then what's that really getting you anyway? So when I think of Dave, I think he was... any metric of success the most successful person that I've ever come across but you wouldn't know it talking to him he didn't ever seem tired or too serious or too cavalier about anything he always had the right approach and just a great purpose behind everything he did and I think part of having a sense of humor and letting things go it's not slacking off or being lazy like you can be purposeful about Relaxing in that sense as well. So that's, I think, a good way to work toward a more well-rounded life that I think will, you know, ultimately be more fulfilling for me, for you. I think it can come out in things like this podcast or in, in my career. So that's something that, you know, it's been three years since we had the chance to have any interaction with Dave in real life, but continuing to benefit from his timeless words is just the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Well, and it's true. I mean, especially, you know, it's a good reminder too of, a, like you were saying, he was the most successful person you know. I think that's because he was he was so well-rounded. And, like, people always talk about that, but, like, he actually really was. Like, you said it before, but, like, you know, he would obviously be, like, a really, like, uh, proficient better and into all the sports and likes. But then he also read classic literature, watched old movies, was an avid, obviously, hiker and basically scholar of the Bristlecone Pines. Like, well-traveled had a lot of friends big on the restaurant scene like he had like a really um like well-rounded life and everything and then b like the other thing too is you also kind of realize with him like i think that the time constraints so that that quote talks about also reminds me of that tunnel vision mentality we get like and it's good to be focused on the goal but also it's true like you don't really also know like what's going to happen good or bad so there there's The most fun is when you kind of go off on the detour. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you can always make your way back on the path and and keep going. But I always like when we call our audibles. Like, we have a plan. And sometimes they're, like, silly. Or even, like, like, honestly, like, last night was not a big deal. Like, it would have been nice to go to a game. But we always have the most fun when it's like, oh, we had this thing in mind. We had this plan. Or we thought we wanted this whatever. And then it's like something doesn't work out. And we're like ask you and like within two minutes we script together a whole new plan and we're like oh that was way more fun than the thing we already had planned so i like it i mean i i think that's a bit of to it What not even just in the scope but just in general kind of reminds me of dave it's like just kind of roll with it <laughs> you can still be a focused person and driven but you know like we were talking about this the other week when you mentioned like you usually do beer breaks and you're like oh, i don't know how i want to structure them all this time and i'm like Okay, at the end of your life you're not going to be like, "You know what I was most proud of?" Like, I was like, "Really diligent about those beer breaks." <laughs> like, yeah. you're going to be like, "Oh my god, remember when like we went out and like celebrated this friend or we did this cool thing and we found this cool bar and we met these cool people?" It's not going to be like, "Man, that sucked because like I really like broke my beer break." And like, you'll just never remember you were on one. <laughs> like, you'll just remember hmm. the fun time you had. So, again, it's not about like being reckless and have, like, no goals and no structure at all, but it's, like, having a flexible structure. Because then it also feels, like, way more fun when you, when you jump out of it for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so I, that's what I think of a lot when I think of just Dave and also that quote.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to bring this full circle from where we started about how things broke last night before the game was supposed <laughs> to start. And a phrase that comes to mind often with Dave, but especially with what we had last night, the occupational privilege tax, one of his favorite ways to describe accepting a bad beat up front. And that could obviously apply directly toward betting. But I think in all walks of life, just having that acceptance that when you can't control something, it might not work out great, and what you can control can be, you know, the ultimate driver of your happiness or lack thereof.
1: Well, it reminds me of that um, Marcus Aurelius. It's not, I'm not gonna quote it directly, but it's a thing of like when you get up every morning, just remind yourself, like, people are gonna make you angry, bad things are gonna happen, stuff isn't gonna go your way, and you're still gonna get up and go out there anyway. <laughs> so it's just like, if you already acknowledge at the top of the day, like, there's gonna be a lot that goes wrong, a lot that makes me mad, and things that just don't work out. And then when things don't go your way, like and like again, last night, it's so silly to like harp on it, because it's really not that big of a deal. But you know, you just kinda like shrug and I'm like, I think I said to you right but I'm like, okay, so now what do we do? <laughs> like we we weren't even angry and we're just like kind of confused, and then we're just like, well, we're in Anaheim, what do we wanna do? Do we wanna stay here? Do we wanna go to there? Let's alert yeah. our friends, so they don't waste an hour driving down here. But then after that, you're just like Alright, plan B. Like, just move on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think just a typical Saturday night without the disappointment of the game, again, not to harp on one specific thing that we experienced that most other people did not, but the general concept of when plans go awry, being able to call that audible. Mm -hmm. And half an hour after we got pretty lousy news that was upsetting, but not a life or death situation by any stretch, We were in downtown LA at a nice restaurant having a good dinner, and then we came home, watched a movie in the side yard. Like, it was a nice Saturday night. So just having the, you know, the discipline or the mental framework not to let something so silly and so far beyond your control just totally derail everything. And if you're in a good state of mind and you're with good people, you can still have a good time in almost any environment. So happiness or peace of mind, ultimately, like, it's kind of on you despite how many things you can't control and how random life is. A lot of it just really does come down to the internal framework. And again, whether it's what we went through last night or really thinking about these words from Dave, like what you do with things that you can control or ultimately what's going to, you know, give you the peace of mind to, I think, accept everything else that you simply can't.
1: Well, it also shows the importance to obviously with all that, but then also like, just spend your time with people you really like being with. Because then it was like, you know, it's not like the game was the most fun part. I mean, I'm again, as you said, I'm not an Angel's fan. Like, I was most looking forward, obviously, to hang out with you and then our friends who were meeting there. But then it's like to not be able to go to the game, like, well, whatever. Because then, like, we still had fun. And, like, I still like hanging out with you no matter where we are. Like, we spent the last year in our home doing nothing. <laughs> and we still had a good time. So it was like, cool, we can we can have fun anywhere. So I think the lesson to everyone is check twitter i don't have twitter (laughs) be friends with someone who has twitter or marry someone who has twitter and check before you go to a game because (laughs) apparently that's how we get alerted to things now so you can save yourself a drive and just like hang at that brewery or hang with those friends you were already with and don't bother rushing to games that get canceled an hour before
0: (laughs) yeah i think a lot of it um one little tangent but knowing some friends in the la area who have been like Um, waiting for their insurance company to tell them when they can go get their shot. It's like, if you're waiting on Kaiser or Blue Shield, like, it's never going to happen. And if you want that shot, there are things you can do without being a line jumper, without screwing over anybody. You can do it in a way that's above board if you show some initiative and and take matters into your own hands to a certain extent. This
1: is where social media, as someone like me who is not super into social media, like, I haven't used Facebook in a long time, I don't have Twitter, but this is where, like, just do a quick Google search or check... Twitter like once in a while it actually can help you and like, again for us like it saved us a lot of heartache yesterday and it saved our friends sure a lot because they hadn't even got in the car yet so um just keep keep on top of that stuff before you're going to go to a game or big events because I feel like while things are starting to open up it's going to be shaky and it's not just sports but like sports if concerts are happening all these events like there's still going to be stuff that will kind of throw curveballs at you so just uh, do a little homework before or check those lineups and see what the beat reporters have to say because you'll find out hours before Major League Baseball will tell you.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing. If, if you're waiting for Major League Baseball to alert you, then you're going to be left in the lurch. But if you have a, a curated list of you know, good people to follow, then you'll be in good shape. And then if everything goes to hell, if you're with somebody you like, you can still have a good time no matter what.
1: And you can have a good time all by yourself too.
0: Goodbye. And you absolutely can have a good time all by yourself. In fact, if you've listened to this episode by yourself, I hope you've had a good time and proven Allison's point to be true. Thanks to Allison for joining the show again this week. If you found any value in our conversation, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. And I'd also appreciate it if you could take a quick moment to follow or subscribe to Props and Hops wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, a quick rating and review would also be incredibly helpful. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at MLandis18 and on Instagram at Props and Hops. And if you're interested in a write-up on the highlights from my conversation with Allison, you'll be able to find that over at dimers.com, where you'll also be able to find a rundown on some of the best promo codes for sportsbooks in states where wagering is legal. I'll drop a link to that rundown in the show notes. All right, and that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Quick programming note, I'll be back with another early week episode next week with a deep dive on the NFL Draft featuring a guest you won't want to miss. And until then, as always, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well.